huge welcome. And also, if you're joining us online, huge welcome. We just want to welcome you again. And you can take your seats. I, I love uh, dedication Sundays. And uh, I love them in the life of church. You know, and I really felt as I was preparing for today that we're going to see a load more child and baby dedications in the life of church. I think there's lots of families on their way to church. And I really believe that. And I declare that today. We're just going to see dedication after dedication. Families bringing their children to be dedicated to the Lord. And... uh, I want to talk today, I've been doing a series throughout the year called The Future of Everything, and I want to talk today, and it fits with dedication, the future of parenting. Now, I don't want you to switch off if you're not a parent or you've been a parent and thought, I've done that and my years of parenting are past, because this is for all of us. This message is for all of us, uh, because it's about growth and it's about development, not just in children, but in about us too, but also all of us at some level get to have some responsibility in the lives of children, you know, whether we're aunts or uncles, grandparents or whatever. So I want to talk about the future of parenting today. I don't know if you know this, but Jude is one, Silas is two, and you might know that, but what you don't know is this. They're both geniuses. They're both geniuses. And and here's how I know, because in 1968... I was four, by the way. In 1968, NASA hired a man to identify geniuses because they wanted to win the space war against the Soviet Union. And he created a genius assessment. It later became known as the creativity assessment. And they tested children first. And so they started with a group of uh, children aged five years of age. Actually, this... Assessment was picked up later in 1993 and its findings made uh, public. So they got a group of five-year-old children and here's what they discovered. 98% of five-year-old children tested as geniuses. 98%. I, I wonder who thinks they're a genius here today? Like, we just like, like... Dave McEwen was the only hand that moved. I'm not sure if he was picking his nose or scratching his face, but at, like, like, but at five years of age, Dave was a genius, and probably so were you. I mean, we know, don't we? I mean, it's true, right? Because you put a child anywhere at two years of age, and they can learn any language. Put them in any nation on the earth, just because they were born in England, they could learn Portuguese, they could learn French. If they lived, they could learn Finnish, if they were in Finnish. In a, in a household, if you've got parents, two different parents uh, who speak different languages, if they both speak those languages to the child, children, the children learn two languages. Rosie Eats can speak 27 different languages. <laughs> She's on camera today, so I'm being nice to her. She said she was going to zoom right in on my face, and I don't want her to do that. Five years later, at the age of 10, only 30% of the children tested as genius. Where did all that genius go? I wonder in five years. At 15 years, they tested the same children, 5, 10, 15. At 15 years, it's now only 12%. 
And then they tested. They wanted to fast forward this test. So they tested 280,000 adults, average age 31, and only 2% tested out as geniuses. 25 years apart, and we went from 98% to 2%. I wonder why that is. And that's why I want to talk today on the future of parenting. We talk, don't we, about raising children. And I don't think we think enough about raising children and what that implies to us, that we're raising children, lifting them to the highest level possible. Being a parent is not about giving children everything they want. It's not pandering to every whim. Actually, parenting is about trying to raise your children to the highest level possible. So I want to talk about the future of parenting and I want to drop into the child of of genius because if there was ever a genius that was a genius at five and stayed a genius at 31, it was Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? By the way, like I've said, don't check out. This is not just to talk about parenting, it's to talk about growth. There's things for all of us to learn. So I want to read some verses from Luke chapter 2, the chapter we looked at a little bit earlier, but these verses are from a little later in that chapter, and then we're going to dive into it. Luke chapter 2, verses 39 onwards. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child, Jesus, grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. That's what we're believing today for children in Icon Church, aren't we? Become strong, filled with wisdom and the grace of God. He says every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. That's a 70-mile, 10-day journey back in those days. When Jesus was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they didn't know it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, a whole day. Then they began looking for him among relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxious and anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. Jesus grew. You know, I've learned a few things over the years about parenting. This, this message is me telling me how to parent my kids now that it's all done and dusted. Just because I was a kid doesn't mean I know how to raise a kid. Anybody else found that out? I remember when Nathan was born... Jeannie likes to remind me that she was in labor for 22 hours in two different hospitals. I mean, that was an ordeal, let me tell you. But I remember when Nathan was born and eventually after five, they kept Jeannie in five days after the birth because the doctor who Jeannie loved said, 
I believe a mother should have good rest after giving birth. I'm for that doctor. Anybody else? So they kept her in for five days and I had to look after myself. Thank you, Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) But I remember when we were allowed to go home and and, um, dispatched, I was going to say, from the hospital. (laughs) We, We were given this little baby and I thought, I've never had one of these before. I mean, you're sending us home alone with this? I mean, Nathan looked like a gremlin, so there was a question there. I mean, I mean, nobody's coming with us. Like, you don't send a nurse with us to help us. We don't know what to do. I've been a kid, but I don't know how to raise a kid. I discovered as well as a parent that so the days can be long, but the years are short. Some days with kids are long days, aren't they? I mean, they just, sometimes they just scream all day. They just do whatever they want to do all day. Nothing you do can placate them, please them. They're long days, but the years are short. You know what I mean, don't you? Not to four, they're very special years. But if you blink, you can miss them. Before you know it, they're teenagers. And then you think, this is not my child. (laughs) The midwife got it wrong in the delivery room. She picked up. The wrong kid, completely. I've discovered this about parenting too. You've got to raise yourself before you raise your kids. You have to raise yourself before you raise your kids. You know, the parenting is a whole new skill set. And you have to grow as a parent before the child grows. This is true in our society today that kids and teens are facing things we never faced. Things our kids never faced. Things we could never have dreamt of. When Jeannie and I were pregnant, I like to think it was a joint effort. When Jeannie and I were pregnant (laughs) with Nathan, we had some friends and they said this to us. If I were you, I wouldn't have any children. Too late. (laughs) The world is a dark place and it's only going to get darker. They were serious. But you know, if that was true then... I've never known the world as crazy as it is right now. But you know, we shouldn't, as Christians, we don't shrink back because I believe, we believe that God puts children in this world to change the future. And especially today, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want us to have a vision for raising children to the highest level possible, raising world changers, culture shapers, people who can speak calm to the storm, peace into the conflict, and life into things that are dead. That's the future that we're believing for. We're raising followers of the Savior Jesus who remains the only hope for humanity. So I think when it comes to our raising kids, we need a different measure of success than just the normal measure of success. You know, uh, as a pastor, you watch your own kids. I'm proud of all my kids. And you watch your own kids, but then you watch the kids in church, the youngsters, and then they grow into teenagers, and you're proud of all those kids as well. And I'm so proud of our kids and young people in Icon Church. We just had A-level results and GCSE results. And I've seen so many parents, so many kids posting how happy they are at their results. And we're proud of those achievements. I'm also proud of the jobs that maybe they go on to do or the career paths that they 
choose to follow. But do you know, I become especially proud when they discover what God has chosen for them to do, when they discover them. Because I want to tell you, God put you on this earth for more than just a job. Put you here for more than just a job. There's so many kids in church, so many young people in church. And I want us to measure success not just by grades, not just by the job that they do, but when they discover the reason that God put them here and the kind of people and parents they themselves want to live. Our youngest son, Sam, who, like I said earlier, is back there in the sauna. We have a sauna in church. It's not an official one, so don't bring your bikini next week. <laughs> but you think this room gets hot. You sh- they've got the windows open this morning. I couldn't go in. I like poke my head in and like I'm sweating. But he spoke a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, he didn't mention this, but you know, Sam found school very difficult. He f- we found out that he was dyslexic after he left school. But he spoke a message called Take a Risk. And if you missed it, you can find it on YouTube. And he tells how he kept this church alive and connected during lockdown. Putting us online, keeping us connected, making sure we could join services via the internet in our homes every week. You're especially proud when your kids discover, when people discover a purpose in life. I want to take a moment, I want to take a break from my message and I want to take a moment just to celebrate teachers and educators this morning for the work that you do in helping parents raise children. So if you're a teacher or you're an educator, a teaching assistant, you're involved in education, you're a retired educator, would you stand just for 30 seconds if that's you? Come on, just stand to your feet, don't be shy. We want to celebrate you. This morning, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Rosie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Perhaps, Rosie, you could teach me Spanish. That would be really great. Uh, So let's get to the text. I want to share two pre-thoughts and then three thoughts. Don't worry, they're all quick from the text. Luke 2 and verse 21, it says this. We read it at the dedication moment. It says, on the eighth day... When it was time to circumcise the child, anybody glad dedication does not involve so. <laughs> he, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Here's what I want to say. They named him correctly. Now, they had a bit of help from the angel, but you know why I'm saying they named him correctly? I'm not trying to tell people what they should name their children. I mean, it's entirely up to you what you name your children. But even in the name, they gave him something to aspire to. Because naming children was a big deal in Hebrew culture. Not so much today, um, but they would name their children because the word had meaning. Today, we just name children something we like, don't we? Like River, Phoenix, or River Phoenix, even. I've, I've heard of children called Leaf. I heard of a child called Spider. Or if you're Elon Musk, you name your children XAEA12. But Jesus means to deliver, to rescue, to save. The angel helped Mary and Joseph and the family to name Jesus according to the purpose God had. Gave him something to live up to. 
I want to say, I can't, we can't tell parents what to name children, but do be careful what you say to them and what you call them. You know, I, I'm not just talking about the name, but what you speak over them. What you say to your children, give them something to live up to. Give them something to rise to. You're raising children. We want to keep that genius in them for as long as we possibly can, amen? And the role of parent is not to vent frustration on the child, and we all do it, but to call out of them the genius that God has put in all of them. When we named our children Nathan, we named because Nathan was a prophet, a truth teller, and it means a gift from God. Joshua means, is a leader, and it means God saves or God delivers. Samuel is a pro, was a prophet and a leader, and Samuel means God has heard. You know, and sometimes kids are, are, are wayward, but you know, sometimes we, Jeannie and I, would pray. We named this children, this child, this name because this is what we wanted them to live up to. My mom did the same with me. She named me Paul, which means little, and I'm still aspiring to that today. <laughs> It will happen. Keep praying for me. I'm not just talking about naming. I'm talking about speaking. When we speak over our children, when we speak to our children, let's try and speak in a way that causes them to rise to the highest level possible. Give them something to live up to, to grow into, to speak. Speak well of your children. Speak well of children. You know here, when children come to Icon Church, that's what we're doing. That's what's happening in Goo right now. We're giving them thoughts and ideas that they can live up to and courage and confidence to be who they're meant to be. That was the first pre-thought. The second pre-thought was this. They dedicated him to the Lord. Verse 22, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Notice it says they. They. It wasn't, and it wasn't just Joseph and Mary. Back then, it was the whole extended family, aunts and uncles. You mean, remember the story we read where they lost him in that, in that caravan of people traveling back from Jerusalem? Um, they, they lost him because there were so many people, but they had taken him to the Lord. You know, there's a whole proverb, isn't there, that to raise a child takes a village. And that's why it's so important the people in our hold, in our world will help us raise. It's so important to celebrate people like we've done this morning, educators, teachers, people involved. When they went to Jerusalem, 70 miles from home, a seven to 10 day journey, there were so many of them, they didn't notice that Jesus was missing for 24 hours. They traveled a whole day before they noticed. And then when they went back to Jerusalem, which you know maybe they walked a bit quicker or rode a bit quicker on their donkeys going back, but it was three days because they just thought he's with an uncle or grandparents or cousins uh, because they were together. And I think it's so important that as we've done in the dedication, we raise our children in a community, in a family that actually is going to do the same as we want to do. Speak well of them and cause them to raise. That's why I celebrate goo and because Goo teaching our children, giving them a vision to live up to. I celebrate Icon Youth, and I protect them. You know, some people want to criticize Icon Youth. I protect them. I remember one time, you know, there was a, 
they, got a bit, they get a bit boisterous on Friday nights at Icon Youth. Like, I am amazed we've not had ambulances and A&E. Well, we have had A&E, but, you know, I'm... I, I mean, and then this one time we came on Sunday morning and there's a big hole in the wall. And a couple of people weren't happy about it and they came to me and they said, look what youth have done. Look at this hole in the wall. Now, thankfully, I've asked forgiveness for this, so don't judge me. Thankfully, we'd had Imagine on the Tuesday. And I said, come here. It wasn't the youth. It was the women. <laughs> and the person looked at me, and the two people came to me and looked at me and said, seriously? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, they go wild when they get in here on their own. And I walked away. I have asked forgiveness, so please don't judge me. But you know, we live in a community as a church, a community that will pray for you, pray for your family, pray for your kids. We're here, we're not going anywhere, we're here. And it doesn't matter what you walk through. We're here and we'll walk through it with you. And we make that commitment in dedication as a church. So, just as I bring this to a close, three things about how Jesus grew. And if he grew, if Jesus had to grow, then we need to embrace these things too. They're all in chapter 2 of Luke and just one verse, verse 40. It says this, The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Here's the first thing. He grew and became strong. He didn't just grow physically. Of course, he grew physically, and later, he's a construction worker. You know, we, we know he's a, it, we, we say a carpenter, but he's, he's probably working on building sites as a carpenter, and he became strong. But one translation of this verse says that he grew strong in spirit. And it's trying to convey to us that it's not just about physical strength and physical growth, but he became strong in character, strong in purpose, strong in vision. At 12 years old in the temple, he's in the temple and saying, I need to be in my father's house. I need to be in this place. He had strength and he had character in him. Luke 2 verse 49, we read it. Why were you looking for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? They find him after a few, few days. And Mary says and to him, don't you ever do that to us again. And Jesus says, why are you bothered? Surely you knew I had to be here. She didn't understand. They didn't understand what he meant. But they treasured it in their heart. You know, we want our children, as we raise kids, we don't just want them to grow physically and grow strong physically. We want them to grow strong in character and values. Want them to be in that place where they experience the presence of God. I remember my mom taking me to church when I was young, and I can still remember at six years old, sitting in that church and thinking, God is here. I can't explain that to you. It wasn't a church anything like, like that, so we should like this one, but, but I can just remember God is here. What an incredible thing to experience. Jesus grew strong with values, character, vision. And I believe that this is a place, church is a place where that can happen. And we need a vision for ourselves too, because we need to grow strong in character. We need to grow strong in values. We need to grow strong in God's presence. He became strong physically, emotionally, in his character, in his values. And we've got a vision and we need a vision for our children to be that. The second thing it says in that verse is that he was filled with wisdom. He grew strong and he was filled with wisdom. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective, not just the world's perspective. 
And, uh, and we find that as we open ourselves up, as we're doing today from the word of God, we find that sometimes God does things differently. We find that sometimes God says things differently. He sees things differently and he values things differently. And wisdom is seeing things from his perspective, his values. He, God values humility over pride and power. He values giving over taking. He values serving over being served. Some of the things we strive for, God's values are completely the other way around. He says the last will be first. He says die to your fleshly desires and embrace the kingdom desires. And when he says that, he says seek first the kingdom of God first. But then he says all that other stuff will be added to you as well. You won't miss out. You never come second by putting God first. And that's why with our kids, and I'm talking about kids today, it's why Bible stories are important. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're a parent and you're you're still reading the Bible with your kids or you're teaching them Bible stories, don't just read the story. Try to explain it. Try and explain the lesson. You know, there's two stories I loved as a kid. There's the story of Daniel thrown into the lion's den, but the lion doesn't eat him. And then there's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into the fire, but the fire doesn't consume them. And in fact, as the people looked into this blazing furnace, they didn't see the three men that they'd thrown in. They saw a fourth man who was God with them. And both of those stories, they're wonderful stories. They're great stories to tell our children. And maybe we just read them and close the book and say, great story, but here's the meaning of those stories. When you say stay strong to your values... Because both of those, in those stories, those four boys had all been asked to compromise who they were. When you say strong to your values, God is with you. God is with you. And don't our kids know that, need to know that in this world today? So Jesus grew strong here in vision. He grew strong and was filled with wisdom, seeing and acting from God's perspective. And faith for us is believing that as we follow God's ways, God will take care of us. I believe that today, don't you? Don't be tempted to just adopt the world's way. Don't think that your kid, if your kid acts like a Christian, they'll lose out and they'll miss out. No, don't be tempted to think that because you never come second by putting God's first. You won't come off worse. It might be tough for you. It might be hard for you. There might be challenges for you as we've all experienced in our life. But I want to tell you, God is with you in the fire and God is with you amongst the lions. And then the final thing, and the worship team are going to come back just to give you hope. Jeannie and I have just been away and I've discovered something. I've learned a life lesson while I'm away. You know that when you're in a queue, when you're in a queue at an airport... Please keep moving. You say, well, the other person's only gone one step. Take a step. Do you know why I'm going to ask you to do that? Because you're giving somebody hope. (laughs) Because you stood in that queue and you're looking 10 people down and there's a huge gap. Anybody else do this or is it just me? And you're thinking, why on earth? You're not going to get to the counter any quicker, but you're thinking, why on earth haven't they moved? Just take a step. Just fill the space because you're giving somebody hope that the end is coming. 
Grace is the final thing. Grace was upon him. Grace is God's enabling. It's God's power. I like to say grace is God's empowering presence. It's his favor towards us. It's his kindness towards us. But it's also his empowering presence. We use the phrase, don't we? I've got grace for that. Or look at that person. They seem to have grace for that. I don't know how they're coping. They, they just seem to have a grace for that. In Christian circles, we use that phrase. And the older I get, I take credit for less because I know it's about the grace of God. We want our lives and the lives of our children to be smeared with grace, covered by grace. A grace that empowers us to be who we're meant to be and do what we're meant to do. You see, there's no grace to be who we're not meant to be and do what we're not meant to do. There's no grace for that. But to be who we're meant to be, there's grace for that. There's grace for that. I need grace. Anybody with me? There's some Christians, they're like, I'm so good. I've got this. I've got this, Alice. Elbow. Fist. I've got this. Look at me, baby. I'm so good. I'm like, I need all the grace I can get. And all the glory goes to him. I used to think I got blessed because of me. Now I know God blesses me in spite of me. And if I did anything to attract God's grace in my life, it was that I prayed this prayer, help. And that attracted the grace of God in my life. We need grace as a parent, don't we? You need grace to parent children. Because I've discovered insanity is hereditary. Insanity is hereditary and you can catch it from your kids. Sometimes your kids and other people will ghost you, won't speak to you. Jude ghosts me right now. He's one years old and he's ghosting me. Like, like, bye Jude, and he just looks the other way. Just ghosts me. I need grace for that. I've got a grace for that. You need grace when your kids hit the teenage years. God gave me the grace not to look in their bedrooms. Like I didn't look in my kids' bedrooms for years and it was the grace of God. Thankfully, Jeannie had a different grace in that moment. You're going to have drama with kids. You're going to have injuries with kids. They're going to make mistakes. You need grace for that. You need grace when financial challenges come your way. You know, when our kids were little, you know, we, we had little money, but we found grace for that. I used to think that you needed wealth really on the front end of life, not on the back end of life. You need wealth when you've got those kids who you know, are little and expensive and you want the designer outfits for them. You need the wealth on the front end of life, but usually you get the wealth on the back end of life. I used to think it was the wrong way around, but you need grace for that season. God's empowering presence. And I'm here to tell you that grace is available. When you pastor a church, you need grace for that. I need grace right now for the menopause. Not for me personally. Paul, I'm hot. Can we open a window? Okay, I've got grace for that. 
Paul, I'm cold. Can we close the window? Yeah, I've got grace for that. Paul, Paul, I'm hot. We don't, can we take the duvet off? Yeah, I've got grace for it. Can we take the sheet off? Yeah, I've got grace for that. Paul, I'm cold. Can we put the sheet on? Can we put the duvet on? Yeah, I've got grace for it. Paul, we've, have you opened the bedroom window? Yes. Can you open the bathroom window so that we get a blow through? I've got grace for it. You need grace. But God enables us to say what Paul said in Philippians 4.13. I can do all this or all things through him, Christ, who gives me strength. Jesus grew. He grew strong in values, in character, physically. He grew in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Let's stand together. We're going to worship in a moment, but I want to pray for you. Because maybe you're here today and you say, Paul, there's some stuff in my life. I need God's presence. I need God's grace. I want to pray for you today. Maybe it is with your kids. Maybe it's with your boss. Maybe you've just got one of those bosses. And you need some grace for that. I felt as I was preparing this morning, as I was thinking about this message, at uh, about four o'clock this morning, I was thinking... I felt that, you know, the Lord just had to share something with me. That there are people here today and that you have been in your workplace, you've been protected. God has protected you from difficult situations, but you're about to be promoted. You're about to be promoted. He's been protecting you. He's been keeping you safe. He's been keeping, been keeping you out of the drama. And you can feel that but now you're about to be promoted. I don't know whatever it is in your life. You need grace for that. Can I pray for you? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the scriptures. I thank you that we can have a vision for raising kids and raising our lives to the highest level that they can be. And as I think of this last thought of your grace upon our life and the fact that we go through different seasons and different experiences and we need grace for that, we can believe today that your empowering presence goes with us. That we're going back into our families, we're going back into our workplaces, we're going back today into different situations and the grace of God goes with us. God, you're not leaving us. When we leave church, you don't leave us, you come with us. You're empowering presence. And I pray for those people, Lord, today who sense and they're saying to you, Lord, I need your grace. In fact, right now, if that's you, just say, Lord, I need your grace. I need your grace. I need your presence with me in this situation. Whatever it is, just, just speak it quietly to God. I need you, your presence. And I want to bless you and say the grace of God is with you and the presence of God goes with you from this place today in Jesus name and everyone said